Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Crash the Pond podcast as Jake is creepily sipping out of a coffee mug, trying to make a face. It has the Mighty Ducks logo on it. Okay, got it. Yeah. I understand now why you're doing that. Yeah. It's a a nice mug. It is. It's a nice mug. You've also got a Diet Coke. I do. You're also still wearing the hat that I thought we had... (laughs) you know properly uh, shamed. shamed shamed out of existence um the the new hat does not fit me well so it is now my wife's hat so this hat will still live on oh man okay well and i guess people are shocked that yes i have sleeves on today i had a tank on that i decided to put on a tottenham jersey instead it's it's one step forward and two steps back is is what this really boils down to but We've got a fun podcast today, as I'm realizing that my cat is making a on-screen appearance. Yeah, special guest. She's very intrigued by my microphone, so I thought I might be able to avoid this, but it's okay. We're going to roll with the punches. Yeah. So, fun podcast for you guys today here, because the Ducks, they were like, you know what? Those crashed the pond, guys. They've been putting in the work. They've been grinding. They've been putting out episodes while no one else will, taking taking hold the whole summer off, waiting until there's actual stuff. So you know what? Because of that, because of the work that they have put in, thanklessly, we're going to give them a gift. We're going to repay them in kind with a trade. We have a trade to talk about. So thank you, Pat Verbeek. Thank you to the Anaheim Ducks. I know you did this because of us, and we're thankful for it. And it's important to express gratitude. Gratitude is very important. Yeah, Pat Verbeek definitely made this trade just for us because he knew, first off, we would love this type of trade. And second off, was definitely thinking, let me give them content. Yeah. I mean, I'm just here for the content at the end of the day. And I'm yeah. happy I'm happy that we got it in the form of a trade. Trades are fun. And this is a fun trade. You know, regardless of how you feel about it, the player, the 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 pieces, whatnot, it's just like a fun trade because it, it tells us different things about how the GM feels about the roster, where he sees the needs. So we're going to jump right into it. The Ducks traded a fourth round pick, and this was the pick that they acquired in the John Klingberg trade. This was Correct. a 20, 2025 fourth round pick, and they sent that over to the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for Ilya Lubushkin, who has one year left on his contract at 2.75 mil cap hit. I'm giving you those details with the cap hit and stuff just to give everybody a framing of the contract. It's going to it's going to be important information, but I don't want to get into that quite yet because first off, as I always do with trades, there's two things. I'm going to ask you what your gut reaction was, and from there, I just really want to talk about the player. I want to talk yeah. about cuz the Ducks got a roster player. They got they a did. guy who's going to play games for them, and so I think as a fan, my first inclination would be, who is this guy? You know, is he any good? But first, before we get to that, when you saw this happen, what was your gut reaction? Was not a fan of it. Okay. That was my gut reaction instantly of why. I I guess uh, why necessarily make this deal. Um, And that was just based on my gut reaction of kind of who Labushkin is. Mm -hmm. And upon diving into some of the numbers, the type of player he is, different things like that, I'm kind of left with with the same question. And so uh, to dive in a little bit more on that of kind of why I didn't like it at the time, why... I'm more okay with it now, but I'm still not the biggest fan of this deal overall. Um, it's just that I don't know if Ilya Labushkin is necessarily more than a replacement level player. 
Like I think at his absolute best, he is a solid in zone defender that that is all he is. And he will not do much for you and will possibly harm you from the offensive side of the, the ice. And so that is when he's at his absolute best. The issue is, is last year when he played for the Sabres, he was poor defensively. And that was actually one of the very first years that he was below replacement level in terms of uh, defensive metrics and everything like that. Um, but there is a player there. If you look at Corey Schneider's tracking data that has been able to uh, be pretty good with uh, carry against and stopping zone entries against um, he's not the best at exiting his own zone. Um, uh, but so I guess kind of, I'm left with this of why, um, why give up an asset for someone that's like this? If they were to, if they were to sign someone like this, um, as a free agent, sure. You can make the argument, okay, you're strengthening your decor, you're adding depth, yada, 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 everything kind of you want to say with that. But with giving up a fourth round pick, sure. The Ducks are dealing from a place of surplus. They have three third round picks next offseason. Um, they have their fourth round pick in 2025. So they have two second round picks next year in 24, uh, 2024 still. But it just feels like it's wasteful giving up a pick for Labushkin um, in that aspect. And from the other side of it, he potentially takes up a roster spot that could have gone to a younger guy. And I think that is more so from the grand scheme of things, probably what this signals. Yeah, so we're going to get into all of that, but my first, my gut reaction was that, was kind of similar to yours, which is just, why? You know, why did they do this? But, because, you know, Ilya Lubushkin is just not a player that I've ever really been that high on. Kind of his, yep. the rap on him is that he's a physical player who can block shots, who can hit the other team, who can protect the front of his own net, who's got some mobility. That's just kind of the 40,000 feet rap on him. And, you know, those kind of players typically just don't really uh, stand out to me unless there's like a strong kind of underlying numbers case. And with him, there really isn't. But I do think, though, that he when you kind of zoom out of just the player himself, because I think you you did a good job of covering it like his his overall on, on ice impact just isn't good. I mean, plainly speaking, like there just hasn't been a season that you can point to and say, aha, like he is solid enough or that he's above average or what have you the 1920 season was i think his best season in arizona mm-hmm. um and, and so if uh micah mccurdy has come out with a new stat that he's kind of put together that's kind of more so meant to be like uh a predictive gar model if that's the What's easiest gar? goals above replacement model so essentially trying to he's calling it synthetic goals and trying to essentially put of all right how many how many theoretical goals did this guy contribute to the team and how many did he take away through his on ice play? And so if you look at that, those numbers um, throughout the course of his career, there's only one season that 1920 season where he was uh, a positive synthetic goal player. Yeah. Well, that's, and and that kind of checks out. Like he, he just hasn't had good on ice impacts, but I think that, I'm always I'm always more intrigued by the tracking data because it yeah. just it tells you how this player plays and, and how they fit into the team and how they fit into the team. And when I look at Ilya Labushkin, you touched on it already, but he has some ability to deny zone entries. He's not necessarily great at it, but he has some ability to do that. He's had seasons where he's graded out well in that category. He's also got an ability which is kind of intriguing to join the rush. 
he, you know, for a defenseman, he's above average in terms of entering the, the offensive zone with the puck with control, entering it with a pass instead of skating it in. He's not really going to bring you a lot in terms of playmaking and shooting when you're in the zone. But I did find that kind of curious that he does have that ability. I and- mean, I, I wonder how much of that, though, was just the the Buffalo Sabres and the way that they played. So that's what- that's been a trend for him throughout his career. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if if you go back to the season prior, he was like that in Arizona as well and a little bit in Toronto. So anyway, point being, he does have some of that. Now, you look at the Ducks' blue line, and it's particularly the right side. And you have Jamie Drysdale, who I think we all know, at least just the archetype of player that Jamie Drysdale, what box he checks, essentially, which is that yeah. that skating, fluid, puck mover. And then you have uh, Radko Gudis, who's kind of the other end of that spectrum, but still is able to skate, still able to defend. And I feel like Ilya Labushkin is clearly the third pairing right shot deep. Like, and maybe he's going to be a two A two B, but I don't really see a scenario where he's bumped up to like a first pairing just Correct. based on his track record. Correct. And so, assuming that he plays in this kind of third ish pairing role, I think that there's at least breadcrumbs here of a player who could fit into a system because he does certain things, and perhaps there is a reason that the Ducks particularly targeted him. Hopefully, it's for these kind of reasons that he can join the play, that he has some ability to defend as opposed to like big body can hit, can block shots kind of thing. Because if we look at the, if we look at the trail of, of Pat Verbeek moves and signings, I also lump in Jeff Solomon, the Ducks assistant GM to this. There's always been kind of an analytical case for these players that they've brought in. You know, Alex Kalorn, Radko Gudis, even Ryan Strom, like they had underlying numbers that you could point to. I think Ilya Lubushkin is the first guy where there's really barely a case for him. Yeah. But I still, I have a bit of an optimistic view that I think he could potentially fit in and help the Ducks, provided he's in the right role. So here's the the one kind of pushback I have on that is, I think, what would you rather have for this upcoming season? Because at the end of the day, the, the player that he's primarily going to take... Well, that, well that's, a, that's a separate conversation. I'm just talking about the player himself and just what he can do now but, that he's here. Fair, yeah. but I think when you're looking at and, and grading the and talking about the, the Pat Verbeek, the Jeff Solomon side of it, right? If we're talking about the move, then yes, we can get into that. Because I yeah. think we've, we've covered the player, I think. Yeah, we, we've covered the player. I, I think neither of us are I don't hate the fan. player. He's He has not been great. Also, some people will mention the Ducks don't have penalty killers. And so that's probably why they brought him in. He has not been good over the tenure of his career on the penalty kill, though. Well, He's also, been a below. Sorry, go ahead. He's been below below replacement level from a, a goals above replacement uh, perspective, from an expected goals above replacement, from a synthetic goals perspective. All of these metrics that we have from those types of more advanced things as compared to just looking at uh, penalty kill percentage or things like that. He has not been good shorthanded. Yeah. Um, and also just like, like one player doesn't make or break a, a penalty kill. Like that's a system's all hands on deck kind of thing. Correct. But if there's a guy that has not been good over the course of his career, that, that kind of tells you that he's probably not going to help your penalty kill out. Maybe. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I just view that as, I don't know. Anyway, separate conversation, but talking, talking about the move itself. Yes. The thing that I, there's two, there's two kind of ways of looking at this. One is this, the ducks right now on the right side, in terms of who this spot could go to before Eli Lubushkin was in the picture. Probably Drew Hellison, if you're talking about a young player, because he's yep. really the only right shot that could 
just kind of naturally slide into that spot. So from that perspective, I don't think that Ilobushkin is necessarily causing this big traffic jam and bottleneck effect in the Ducks' defense uh, pipeline. That being and also to kind of bolster that, Ilobushkin, if he comes in, if he plays well, and we're going to get back to what we said originally with the contract, he's a rental player. If he comes in and plays well, this is like a lower stakes John Klingberg situation, basically. If he comes in, fills a role, you know NHL teams love penalty-killing defensemen who can block shots. If the Ducks can flip him at the deadline for, let's say, a third-round pick, a second-round pick, I'm just not even going to say for a first-round pick because I don't think that's in play, Yeah. then this is a good, like, on-its-face, on-paper asset play. The question, though, for me is, is this kind of nickel-and-diming, dink-and-dunk, Ha, I upgraded a, a fifth or a fourth round pick to a second. Is that worth the opportunity cost of and, giving the spot to a, a young player full time? And that's where I'm at because yeah. at the end of the day, I, I, there's two ways this could go, right? Either Labushkin plays, and that means Drew Hellison does not play, gets another year in the AHL, another year gone for Hellison. That I mean, Hellison, I'm just looking up to get his exact age, but I think at the end of next season, he's going to be 24, right? Uh, I can double check that. Continue. Uh, yeah, so I, I think he's going to be 24 at the end of next season. I'm looking it up. Uh, 20. He's going to be 23. So okay, he'll be 23 at the end of next season. So this is the time where I mean, some people may think this is crazy, but this is where the league is going. Is that guys need to be start breaking or start breaking into the league at these these ages? That is where the league has gone. That is where it's going. Um, and adding in the fact that his entry level contract will be coming up uh, somewhat soon, and I'll look that part up also for when his. Uh, uh, contract will be up. I think it's going to be, I think he'll have one more year after this one, if I'm thinking about this correctly. Um, but so it's going to go one of two ways. Either Labushin's going to play and Hellison's not, and Hellison's going to be stuck in the AHL as a result of that. And that is prime development time for someone like that to get NHL ice time. And Hellison looked ready also. Yeah, he's well, an, R- he's a, he's an RFA in the summer of 2025. Okay. So yeah. I, I was spot on with that part of it. Or, Hellison's going to earn that spot and play, and Labushkin's not, and then you gave up a fourth-round pick for your healthy scratch defenseman. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, that is the situation the Ducks are in, and I don't know if that's necessarily a place you want to be in. I, I think I would much rather just keep that fourth-round pick. I think you're you're spot on with the fact that by, by playing Labushkin and potentially hoping to flip him at the deadline for a third or a second, it, it's kind of nickel and diming to upgrade those picks, right? Yeah. And at what point are you shooting your, yourself in the foot by not giving this kid in, in Drew Hellison a, a spot for development? Because yeah. that's who it's going to impact. And Hellison also should probably play on the penalty kill. And, and so if you're thinking that's why he's brought in, um, that that's why. And so it's just – I just don't necessarily see the long-term plan here outside of bring him in, play him, flip him at the deadline. Yeah. There is another argument, though, which we haven't really addressed, which is that – you know, Drew Hellison, like, this doesn't foreclose Drew Hellison playing, right? I mean, if if Drew Hellison plays well, if he has a great camp, if he plays well in the minutes that he gets, I don't think Ilya Lubushkin's presence on this roster is, like, prohibiting him from, from getting minutes. No, but thanks. And, and, and I do think that, you know, there is value in having just proven NHL talent just dotted across your blue line because you kind of saw how that worked out last year. And that wasn't a good development environment for anyone. And so maybe just having a more stable ecosystem helps everyone in the long run. But again, that assumption, that argument also depends on 
Ilya Lubushkin actually raising the floor, which yeah. I think you would say he doesn't. Correct. And I, I think that, I think if that's your logic, right? And I think Heyo Deflo said, Hellison may not be NHL ready. And that like we, be- we are putting a lot of faith we are. in, in Hellison. I think it's warranted, but it is based off of small sample. So here's where I'm at on it though. I would much rather go out and sign someone to a yeah. one year deal. Hell, sign a Nathan Bolu again. No, if you have to. No, no. That is, <laughs> that that is the line. Far? That is, that is the line. Step, that, that's the line. That's but the no, line. But, but my point is you're not giving him an asset in that situation is, I guess, where I'm at with that. I mean, and the, so, the, the asset is the opportunity cost. But yes, continue. Sure. But my, my point is that I think giving up a pick, a fourth round pick, which some people may say it's only a fourth round pick, but look at how the Ducks have been able to do with their fourth round picks in the last couple of years and what they've been able to to pick up from those later spots. And so you're giving up that opportunity cost for one year of Ilya Labushkin. Well, and so, yes, to, to be fair, not to be fair, but just to add further context, it is a 2025 fourth round pick. And so maybe the Ducks are just thinking, well, by then we're going to be better than we are now. A fair point. And so if we flip this this pick this year to get into this year's draft, we're going to it's going to be a better pick. We're, I guess we're, we're, we're going to we're going to scout this class more heavily than the next. The one, flip kind of side thing. of that, though, I guess, is where I'm at with it is that. You could then use that 2025 fourth-round pick in the future to get someone at the deadline if you're starting to make a push and help yourself in those situations, and you've just given up a surplus pick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is interesting to think about. It is the Minnesota Wilds fourth-round pick, so I don't know if that even plays any sort of role into any of this, that they just don't see that team becoming bad. I just That's maybe getting too far into the weeds. But overall, I mean, I don't... Again, I don't really hate this deal. Like, I think when I first saw it, I was kind of thinking, this is dumb, this is why, kind of thing. But now, having given it more thought, I see I see the upside, I see the downside, and I'm actually just really intrigued to see how Ilya Lubushkin looks in this role. Because, again, I do think there is value in just having a not-terrible third pairing. And again, that's assuming he gets a third pairing role. Well... What I'm curious about overall with this is what happens if Hellison passes him. Yeah, yeah, because then you're in a weird spot. Because now yeah. you you can't really hell if 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 hell if Drew Hellison passes him in training camp, which feels unlikely. Like I don't know how well Drew Hellison has to play for that to happen. But if Ilubushkin somehow finds himself on the outside looking in as like your seventh defenseman, I think it's a little awkward to have a 2.75 million seventh defenseman. What do you do then? Like, are you? Yeah. What are you getting for him at that point? Are you even yeah. going to recoup the value that you that you gave up for him? Like, it'd just be a weird situation. That's which kinda, is which like, is probably why he ends up playing over Hellison for at least a stretch. Which, which I feel is a mistake. Yeah. And so let me ask you two questions on this from me. One, through this trade, did the Ducks get better? I think so. Okay. I, th- I think. I think on its face, I'm not going to say 100% they got better, but I think there's an argument that they got better. Okay. There's my there's my very uh, waffled so, answer. Just just for context, synthetic goals per that stuff, Micah has a really fun thing where he's showing kind of pairings in relation to that. He is just below a third pairing defenseman. So if you think that the Ducks maybe on that right side did not even have that last season... I don't then he's an upgrade. Then yeah. then he's an upgrade and makes their team better. And I think that that is an important way to frame it. That that is an improvement on things. Yeah. Um. 
but having said that, I would kind of push back and say I would much rather have Drew Hellison in that that position. But here's the other question that I have. If, let's say, the Ducks started the season with Hellison and found out that, no, he was not ready, actually, and they're playing Robert Hag on the right side for a couple of games because Hellison could not cut it and was sent down to the AHL as a result of it, do you think that they could have found a guy like an Ilya Labushkin to trade for? Maybe, but I think that doing it this way, now you already have your insurance policy, and like he is tradable. Like it's not like they got a guy on like a two year deal or something. Are we pronouncing Labushkin differently? We might. Curtis just mentioned that in in our YouTube chat. I might be pronouncing it incorrectly. You're, you're adding another Y. That that's Labushkin. Like, it's Labushkin. Labushkin. Okay. Labushkin. There's there's just no other Y. So. Got it. Got it. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, I like for me, ideally, I just want to see Drew Hellison get as many reps and as many minutes as possible this season because I think that that's that's kind of where the Ducks are at. They're in a position where they're probably not going to be in the playoffs this season, so let's just give the kids as much run as possible. That being said, I, like I'm not a huge believer in this, but there is the thought out there of hey, you don't want to give them too much too soon. You want to have you know veterans around. You also want to have these guys win battles, earn their spots, and maybe there's value to that. Maybe there isn't. Maybe you should just play the better player. Who knows? But I do think that we were just touching on this, where the Ducks were last season and how bad they were on the blue line. And we've pushed back on on that a bit, that the Ducks had NHL defensemen on their roster who were just kind of victims of a terrible uh, system at times. But there was also just some awful quality back there as well. So I think just bringing in bodies who can just play credible NHL hockey. And again, like some people disagree that Labushkin is that. I think there is value to that. And and I don't think that this forecloses Drew Hellison. Like, look at it this way. Ilya Labushkin, he plays the majority of the games in the first half of the season. Hellison, who is, is he waiver exempt? Let's see. Let me double check. Uh, let's see. Yes, he is waiver exempt. So you have him shuttling back and forth to San Diego in the first half. You trade Labushkin at the deadline for that pick. You can still call, like, now Hellison is a free and clear path. So I think that this, while yes, this is not necessarily what I would have done, I just don't think that it's foreclosing anything, really, for, for Drew Hellison, at least at least beyond the first half or up until the the trade deadline. For this season. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that because it's, it's, you know, mid August or at end of August now, there's just not much else to talk about. And so we want to draw big takes out of everything that any sort of news. But I do think that this is sort of, this is still meaningful. This is a meaningful move to me, even if yeah. it's on the lower end, it's, if it's on, you know, the third pairing. Well, it's meaningful because you look at kind of the Ducks' third pairing, the Ducks' lineup throughout all of last season. And actually, let me ask you this. With how Dmitry Kulikov played last year, do you think Labushkin, Labushkin is uh, – did I say it right there? Labushkin? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you think he's better than Kulikov? No. Okay. No. I think that they play different – I mean, they're also very different players. You know, Kulikov's not really – Kulikov is just a different player to me. He's not as physical. He's that's just not like his. That's not his reputation. I think I view Kulikov as more of a puck mover, more of an offensive guy. But 
in terms of where they fit in their kind of the hierarchy, their archetype, like they're close. Mm-hmm. They're close. Okay. So where were you going with that? No, I was just going because I like Kulikov was right hand, right hand shot defenseman, a uh, guy that was brought in with no with known solid defensive metrics, even if maybe on the offensive side of the puck didn't necessarily have uh, it. Kulikov's a lefty, way. by the Is way. Is he lefty? Yeah. Well, there goes that. Why did I think he was right-handed? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, never mind. Scratch that. <laughs> yeah, but he would. But I mean, I I see what you're kind of saying, though. Yeah. Like I, I I get the the gist of what you're saying. They brought him in, and look, they traded him. Like this is the other thing too. Is like, I'm I'm ready to proclaim this and look into my crystal ball, and now Jake is being. There's something going on in Jake's background, but I'm ready to look into my crystal ball and say this to everyone listening. I 100% expect Ilya Lubushkin to be traded this season for the Ducks. I don't think that you go out and get a defenseman on a one-year contract and you end up not flipping him or extending him. Like I just don't see a scenario where Ilya Lubushkin is a Duck beyond the trade deadline. Do you agree with that? I think there's a scenario. I just what's don't this, think it's a, what, I mean, I don't what, think it's a likely per, scenario. What's the percentage chance in that scenario? 5%. Okay. I want 100% Maybe. he's gone. Like I just don't I don't even see it. Like how can you I'm, how can you justify it? The justification is is that if they're Lubushkin, in the playoffs? Yeah. And Labushkin has been a very solid defensive setting presence for this team, a heavy penalty killer, <laughs> someone that's really become a stalwart for them on the blue line on okay. that bottom pairing. Well, well let's examine those Oh, uh, don't those I, like variables. I said no, I'm like just, I said. but this is why I'm so confident because A, I don't think the Ducks are going to be in the playoff race. And B, although I think Ilya Labushkin can be okay, we have a lot of data suggesting he's not even okay. So, yeah. Like, I just, all roads lead to Rome. I think he gets traded by the, by the deadline. And again, we have to keep this in mind because I feel like people you know, didn't really give or be credit for the, the Klingberg trade. If the Ducks recoup anything that's an upgrade over this, it's a win. Even if they get a third round pick, it's a win. In in just the arbitrage, just the exchange of goods. Like okay. you yes. can argue that yes, yes. it it wasn't yeah. worth it. It's the okay. same thing with Klingberg. Though. People said that about Klingberg that it that yes, they got they got Nestorenko, they got a fourth round pick, but it wasn't worth it. That that there was a, an opportunity cost of having him on the team. Well, I actually won't. I disagree with that because I think they didn't they didn't give up anything besides cap space. You could argue they should have done something else with that cap space. That they could have done something else with that roster spot, but I think it was just a genuinely good use of the cap space in the roster spot. Yeah, talking yeah, about Klingberg I, now. No, I know, I know, and I'm com- I completely agree with it. And I don't think I don't think that argument holds as much water because I, I there wasn't a, Drew Hellison wasn't pushing the NHL roster spot last yeah. year, and it's not as if John Klingberg was taking up a roster spot from Drew Hellison. In, in that sense. Correct. I think the Labushkin Kulik. I mean, I think Labushkin is maybe more analogous to a Kulikov than a Klingberg, but even then, it just doesn't really. Yeah. And the, the other piece of this, though, uh, on the trade value is that the Ducks will be able to retain. Yes. Well, that's and, that's why I've been saying second round pick. Yeah. Because I, I don't think Labushkin gets you a second on his own. Like, if you're able to retain half of his contract, and by the end of the season, there's only, what, 20 games left in the year, so the amount of actual money and cap it, uh, accumulation that will be left, it, it's negligible in terms of what teams will have to, to give up. And so he could become a healthy scratch defenseman for a cup-contending team, getting him at 50% retention, and they might do that for the depth. 
Yeah. Uh, for a third, second or third. Yeah, I'm looking at past Ilya Lubushkin trades. So the trade to Toronto, he was traded for Nick Ritchie, which is kind of funny. So it was Nick Ritchie in a 2025 conditional second to Arizona for Ryan Dezingle and Lubushkin. It's kind of hard to parse what value is what in there, but he has been in a deal involving a conditional second round pick. <laughs> so. There it is. <laughs> that, <laughs> I'm wow. taking the most basic conclusion, wow. <laughs> the most stretchiest conclusion possible. Yeah. But anyway, it's a fun, I think it's a fun trade. I'm curious about it. I'm also just kind of excited to see the Ducks. Like now I think the picture is a lot more clear. And I do think on a podcast, a while, like maybe after the free agent window, the, the free agent frenzy had kind of ended, I think we had said that the Ducks are probably going to get one more defenseman and one more forward. I probably. think we had. I think we had said that. I think yeah. I, I know. I, I, at least I had said that. Forward hasn't really materialized, but I think we're seeing that on the back end. Do you think, as of right now, do you think the Ducks roster is set? This is. These are going to be the guys. There's no other move in the offing. Hmm. I think the defense is set because I think there's too many bodies right now. Yeah, uh, now it's overflowing. Yeah, from the forward perspective, maybe there's one more depth guy, one more bottom six guy that ends up coming in. But I, I think for the most part, it's pretty set. So you're saying that this, the the, the team that we're looking at in cap friendly is the team that we'll see come, come well, training camp. Let's say not exactly what's on cap friendly, but yes, sure. Because cap like the roster, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and then secondary question before we take a little break here. Um, what do you make of what, how do you rate this ducks blue line now that it's pretty much fully fleshed out? All right. So let's just kind of go with this reading of it. That's going to be Fowler, Drysdale, uh, Zellweger, Gudis. Zellweger. Okay. I mean, who would you have put there? Hag. I I <laughs> You're just ver- stumped by that. <laughs> I will be very mad and very sad if it ends up being that. But I, I'm okay. going for the most positive reading of it, uh, of being Fowler, Fowler, Drysdale, Zellweger, Gudis, and then Lacombe, Labushkin. Okay. Wow, interesting. That is not the direction I went. But but so what okay. do you make of that? How do you feel about this blue line? I mean, I would rather that be Hellison. Uh, that, that's still where I'm at there is that I, I'd rather that be Hellison. Um, but I think it's a much improved blue line, I think. Like I, I yeah. think they're I, I think Gudis does a lot for them. I think Zellweger jumping in is gonna do a lot for them. I think Lacombe looked really good. And yeah. so Drysdale. I, I mean Dry, like, Dry Drysdale coming back and yeah. having a hopefully a big bounce bounce back year for him. So what about this? Fowler, Drysdale, Hag, Gudis, Lacombe, Labushkin. I mean that's exactly what I said. Just Hag no, you, swap. You, you had Zellweger. And yeah. you had yeah, but so I mean how do you feel about Hag instead of Zellweger? Don't love it. Don't love it. Yeah. I mean, even if you have Hag Gudis, which I would be kind of shocked if Hag is a regular, but his name is there and it's been kind of sticking there. This is a better group than what they had last year. They're going to have better coaching. I don't know if this is like a top 15 unit, but I think this is a unit that can get by. That, that can just not be abysmal. And for where they were at last year, that like the, the, the jump from like, terrible to kind of average or just below it is a pretty big jump. And so I think that this is going to be an improved group. 
Yeah, and right now in the chat, uh, Rooch20 says, if you think this to me, if you think Zellweger makes it, how do you feel comfortable icing three DMN under 24 in the top six? I mean, uh, that's that's why I don't think he makes it. Quite well, honestly. I mean, they have Fowler at 31, Gudis at 33, and Labushkin at 29. Like, I feel like that balances it out a little bit. My prediction is that Zellweger and Mintukov start the season with uh, Matt McIlvain in San Diego. I think Mintukov does. I don't think Zellweger does. I mean, if he does, someone's got to someone's got to come out, and I'm just curious who that would be. I mean, so. it's going to be Colton White or Robert Hag. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I I think Zellweger and Deuce is saying he doesn't know if Zellweger is ahead of Minchikov. Could I be Lacombe. I think age is one thing. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. I think age is one thing with Zellweger being ahead of Minchukov. I think the other part of that is... Short King. Well, no. Where I was going to go with that is, I think Minchukov, if he does not play nine NHL games this year, it's still ELC slides. Uh, let's see here. I believe that that is... Yeah, he's still, is. He's still he's eligible. Still, he's still eligible because his birthday comes after September 15th. Yeah. And so he can play the entire year in the AHL, and this year does not count off his ELC. Oh. Whereas Zellweger, this is the first year of his ELC no matter what because of his birthday coming before September 15th. So what you're saying is Pavel Minchukov will play no more than nine games for the Ducks this year. I mean, the same thing applies to uh, Nathan Gaucher, so take that how you will. I mean, I think Gaucher and Minchukov are just primed for like a development season in San Diego. Yep. And I don't think that's a bad thing. And and so that's why I think Zellweger gets a lot more NHL games than Minchukov. I think Minchukov is going to have to force his way onto the NHL roster to get a full se- to get more than nine games. Yeah. No, I, I think that that contractual status is a good point. Yep. So that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Well, and thank you know you. what? I'm also here for these types of ad reads. The Premier League is back in action, so it's only right we partner with the Premier League, Premier Man's uh, Premier Men's Grooming Company, Manscaped. A class above the rest, Manscaped is now force focusing on their off-ball movement with their Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Manscaped is known for their elite ball skills, but with the Beard Hedger, they're helping people notice that pretty face too. So whether you're Lionel Messi down south or just focusing on looking sharp like Ronaldo, you can get the best men's grooming products at manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free delivery with our code CTP at checkout. The Beard Hedger is now available worldwide, so men from La Liga to Serie A can get immaculate facial hair to match the boys downstairs. The Beard Hedger face trimmer is a juggernaut of fixing faces. First off, this waterproof cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. Yeah, you heard that. No more drawers full of 20 different guards. I mean, I was just uh, cleaning out uh, the area under my sink, and from a previous trimmer found so many of those guards and had to put them in one and it was so nice with the beard trimmer just having one uh one guard that was would handle everything so plus the trimmer has a titanium coated t-blade that is tough on hair but smooth on your face leading to single stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time and just because manscaped has moved above the groin uh doesn't mean they've lost track of the ball they still have the lawnmower 4.0 the trimmer is simply the best hygiene tool to help keep the grass on the pitch the perfect length the lawnmower 4.0 ceramic blades reduces nicks and cuts in your most sensitive regions this revolutionary tech is the best defense you could find for your penalty box the trimmer's battery also lasts 90 minutes you could be shaving your nether regions for an entire football match Remember to take a little water break at halftime, of course. 
Go get your perfect trimmer for your face and happy place with the Manscaped Beard Hedger and Lawnmower 4.0. So get 20% off and free delivery with code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free delivery at manscaped.com and use code CTP. Celebrate a new season of the beautiful game with your newly beautiful balls and face. Okay. Well, shout out Tottenham. Picking up the big 2 nothing win over Manchester United on the weekend as I'm wearing a Tottenham hat and jersey. Well, well, well. Uh, wow, that was, that was, let me just recover from that. Of course you picked the, the Premier League copy. Shocker. You gave me the choice. I mean, I did give you the choice because you're the one reading it, but yeah, still unsurprising. People uh, are very, very happy with the football references. The other thing I wanted to say that I, that kind of came to mind as you were okay. talking about um, things Balls. that, this is, yes, yes, as you were talking about things. I mean, these guys still need to play. Like, that is probably a very obvious point, but something that I just want to underscore is that we have all these kind of thoughts, and I think that most of our thoughts are correct. Shocker, because I'm saying them. But I think most of our assumptions here about where these guys fit and just kind of where they are on the starting line, right, in this race, I think are correct. But once the once the gun fires, once the race starts, who knows? Like, once training camp starts, a guy can still play his way onto the team. If Pavel Menchukov, let's just say, let's use him as an example, but this could apply to any of these young guys. If he plays really well and another guy doesn't play well, that can change the picture. That guy can be on the team. And I think that the just my own read from the outside is I think that the Ducks are probably open to that. They probably, if a guy comes in and is and shows he's ready, that's that's kind of like a hell yeah for everyone in the organization. Like, oh, the, this guy that we've been betting on is showing, is proving his right. So... I don't want people to kind of listen to this and think, ah, oh, man, like this is boring. I'm not going to see my favorite prospect. It, it might still not happen, but I think that this will be a very interesting training camp because if a guy plays well, I think they'll at least be given the, the chance to follow through in, in the NHL. So, yep. On that All note. Right. Questions? Are we jumping in or is there any, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, Well, there. this is a bit of a somber note, but I thought it was kind of worth bring up so ducks prospect william francis will francis he had a cancer relapse and you know i don't really want to go too much into detail but just really sad it really sucks and you know he he had already i mean it's in the word relapse but he had already kind of gone through this and now he's back to square one or at least you know i don't know the exact diagnosis but it's back it really sucks Sending him good thoughts. If anyone from, you know, everyone that's a Will Francis fan is listening or that knows him, like, you know, we're we're rooting for him. Hopefully he gets back to full health. And yeah, it just really sucks. So sending yep. our thoughts that way. Yep. Okay. Sen- sending all of our thoughts, sending everything to him and his family, and hopefully he can get through this again. Maybe end up at Honda Center at some point in time in the future for him. That would be an amazing story. So, yep. yep. Another thing I wanted to point out. Uh, what is it? What was it that they said on uh, around the horn? Happy trails, happy trails to Jonathan Bernier. Yep. Who announced his retirement from professional hockey today? Jonathan Bernier. What is his legacy as a duck? His legacy was he had a really hot stretch as John Gibson was hurt and helped the Ducks get into the playoffs and helped them a bit in their run to the Western Conference Final in the 2017 team and. There's also a little bit of the negative of he kind of was not great in the national series, but that's kind of who he was. He, he, he got you there. Yeah. Wow. That was a pretty good rundown. Actually. I was not expecting that. That's so, what I'm here for. So, I still argue though. 
one of my takes of that season because this was pre me <laughs> so, doing so the podcast. I br- I'm so glad I brought this up. Oh, are uh, you airing past grievances that you wanted to publicize that you couldn't? Okay. I think I've brought it up in the past. I'm here for this. The, the Ducks should have traded for Ryan Miller at that trade deadline. Ah, uh, is that the one where he went to St. Louis or was that? No, no, no. That, no, that was, that was the one where he stayed in Vancouver. Uh, uh, okay. And then he signed, was... he signed that summer in Anaheim. And okay. so I was of the opinion the Ducks should be trading for Ryan Miller because even though Jonathan Bernier was playing fantastic at the time, that's just uh, like all goalies have really good stretches throughout their time. And I think Ryan Miller would have shored up that Ducks team a little bit more. And Ryan Miller on that on that run may have done a little bit more than Bernier was able to do. But that's not necessarily meant to take away from what Bernier did. I mean, he was doing everything he could. Yes. And, I mean, he's Jonathan Bernier, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of share that where he was, he had a good kind of stretch there with the Ducks and always one of those goalies who had cool pads. One yes. thing I want to point out. Um, always had good style, but yeah, happy trails to Jonathan Bernier. On that note, questions. We have uh, one more thing I want to bring up. Oh. The center ice logo was revealed. Oh, yes. Yes. And it is the 30th anniversary logo with a jade circle around it. There is no orange. Yeah, fascinating. On the ice. Fascinating. Like, I'm shocked that they went that route and they did not end up going with any sort of gold or orange or anything like that around it. Like sure the logo has the the yellow in it and the the circle has a yellow in it also, but that's not that much different. I mean, the the third and fourth jersey that the Ducks had with the kind of silver shoulders on it, that yeah. had yellow on it. So there was yellow way back then, and that's what this kind of reminds me well, of. The, 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 stick, the, the hockey sticks of True. the Mighty that Ducks too. logo. And, that too. Yeah. And so the, the center ice logo is way more Mighty Ducks than it is Anaheim Ducks. And I find and, that, and I love that extremely fa- – Yeah, agreed. I just find it extremely fascinating. Well, they – I mean, I think to me the most telling thing, honestly – not the most telling, the most noteworthy thing is that they wrote – literally wrote Mighty Ducks because yeah. – They've done like it's kind of one of those things where they've basically used every bit of that marketing value without actually using the name and to see them actually put the name Mighty Ducks on the center ice and presumably this will be there for every game. Like I don't think they're going to alternate that. So, yep, I think that's really cool because it is part of their franchise history. And but then you, you have the other half of the logo, which has the Anaheim Ducks with the Web D. So it's just really cool. I mean, it's 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 fitting. It's better, like this border to me is better in some ways than the one on the the anniversary jersey. But if this was topic. the border on the anniversary jersey, would you like that jersey more? Uh, I mean, I don't like the fly together. <laughs> like that part of Fair. it is maybe a little too much in a jersey. But if, if there was some version of this with like Mighty Ducks on one side, Anaheim Ducks, like I think that'd be really cool actually on the jersey. I mean, they, they kind of went for that with the, because the but you, sleeve. But you can't really tell though. Like that's something well, you have because to squint. E- well, everyone focused on the fact with the sleeves that it said Anaheim Ducks established 2006. Yeah. And not realizing that the other sleeve on it, it says Mighty Ducks established 1993. I mean, I just find that like it's it doesn't stand out. If they wanted that to be more prevalent, they would have made it more noticeable. So fair. But regardless, really, really, really nice logo. This is going to be beautiful to look at so much better than the last anniversary logo that was at center ice for all season. The 20 or the 25. Oh, yeah. Um, Also. Uh, this is kind of a sidebar, but the fact that now there's a uh, Arrowhead logo. Is, that was there last year. 
Was it? Well, anyway, yeah. the fact that there's an arrowhead next to the Mighty Ducks is just... I mean, I don't really give a shit about sponsors on the ice, but it is kind of a... Well, it's just kind, the of, arrow- kind of fitting. The Arrowhead Pond works yeah. so well from a naming perspective. Too many too many sponsor uh, logos on the, on the ice now, though. There's like two behind the net, behind That's each fine. net. Too All much. right, here we go. Uh, questions. We're going to start with our Discord, then we'll go to... I have a couple some from Twitter, and then we'll kind of finish it off with... Uh, Twitch and YouTube to just kind of close things out and have some fun at the end. So we'll start with this one. Shaken Wings asks, uh, where are you at on confidence of Verbeek from one to 10 and why? Interesting. I would say, ooh, I would say I'm at a 6.5. I'm so at a seven. I think he's done enough to, to show me that he generally targets players that don't suck. which is not always the case for a lot of NHL GMs. He's made a lot of trades that just kind of facially make sense. He's, I think, made good draft picks. But I'm just not really convinced about how he's going about this rebuild, this kind of targeting of older players, this, you know, signing older guys to long-term contracts. Like, I just don't really agree with the vision of what he's doing. And I'm not convinced how well it's going to work. I think it might work. Honestly, it might work in spite of the strategy. Like, I I just think that the Ducks could succeed despite all of it. But I think that he's still doing it in a way that's, like, defensible, which is why I come down to the 6.5. Yeah, I I think why I'm at a 7 as compared to 6.5 is I genuinely or generally agree with kind of everything you said. But I think the part that makes me feel a little bit better is that, for the most part, a lot of those things were signings. And while I don't like the term that was given out, Assets weren't necessarily given out for given up for those types of players. I think my issue with this Labushkin one is that assets were given up, and so that that's I think we could argue about whether it gets making up it gets made up at the deadline things like that. Like everything we talked well, about. Well, it's earlier. also a fourth round pick. Like it's not. Yeah, it's not a but, premium asset. But still, and so I I just I I think that the overall visions there I think. The decisions on the fringes haven't always been the best, like letting some Sonny Milano walk uh, and, and things along those lines. But the overall general plan and path, I think, is correct. And so, yeah, that that's pretty much where I'm at. But I just I'm a little more skeptical of how he's gone about it. But yeah, SP84 said our good friend Spencer should Felix head up the inaugural gaslighting Olympics. What what is what is that about? Why is okay. he saying that about me? Join join our Discord to find out, everyone. Why is he saying that about me? Um. All right. Uh. Co champion bastard said, "What are Jack Kopaka's top five fruits?" Ugh, just no more. No more <laughs> Jack Kopaka. Ducks Jagannath said, "Is Felix related to Max Homa? They look who, similar. I don't know who that who is. Who the hell is Max Homa? I don't know. It's, it's a golfer. Yeah, I don't know this person. So." We're not related. No. Okay. I mean, maybe we are. Maybe if we did a DNA test. Yeah. I guess I can't conclusively say that I am not related to this individual, but on based on my own knowledge, I am not related to this individual. Plant Ranch said, how should we feel about the lack of Zegris and Drysdale signings? When is panic mode versus Den uh, forgetting it's a thing? I mean, I think the only time you really panic is if these guys do something kind of off script, which would be holding out. I think that's when you start getting frustrated. I don't even know if it's still panic because they will still ultimately sign no matter what. But I, I think, just think a holdout is just not a great tone. Panic, panic is. Well, I still don't even think it. The tone matters that much. Look, Nylander hold out, held out. Lindholm held out, right? Well, now like, he wants to get traded. So, I mean, but Hampus Lindholm held out, right? 
And, and so th- there are plenty of uh, of signs of this happening and it not necessarily mean anything long term. When is when the panic mode uh, should be or panic button should be hit is if we're getting close to that deadline where they are no longer eligible to play this season. That is well, when you hit well, the panic that, mode. I mean, that to me is kind of like they're not going to miss a season. Like that's <laughs> agreed. <laughs> that, that, that that doesn't benefit them. Fair. Uh, Ricard Raquel also did hold out, but I don't think he made it into the season with that. Nick Ritchie Nick, held out. Nick Ritchie held out. Yeah. All those guys are gone, by the way. Just a little, little side note. Yeah, that's part of a rebuild. Sure. Um, all right. Uh, hey, Odiflo said, does Verbeek signing of Labushkin all but guarantee that Zellweger starts the season in San Diego? I no. don't think it impacts it at all. Nope. Yep. They play different sides of the ice. Yep. Yep. I, I'm, I will correct myself on that because I sent out a tweet saying this could take away ice time from him. Uh, it does not. So correcting wow. myself. Accountability. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Shocking. Amazing. Uh, Duck said, is it purely coincidence that our Lord and Savior, Nathan Beaulieu, leaves us for the hurricanes just one day after a hurricane affects his former team's neighborhood? Yeah. Uh, Nathan Beaulieu signed a PTO with the uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes. Just mocking us. Which, by the way, can't, I think the Carolina Hurricanes have to retire their smart organization card after that. Like, what it's is P- the? Re- it's a PTO. Why though? Like, also, why is he signing a PTO in August? Didn't he sign a PTO with the Ducks last season? Yes. yes. Yeah. That he's just PTO Nate. There, there it is. Uh, and then a serious question: Does Pavarbeek's inexperience as a GM makes trades slash signings more difficult? I'm imagining players, agents, and other GMs try to push their luck a bit more with someone new versus someone who has been there for years. Maybe. I mean, we just don't know. We don't know, but also, I mean, you have to keep in mind he's been an assistant GM for a long time. Like, yeah, and 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 it's not just him acting alone. Like, there's yeah. there's people around him. Like, yep. it's it's not a one man job. So, yep. Plant Ranch said, "What do you think Olin Zellweger and Minjukov's years look like this season with the trade slash signings for defensemen? I think Zellweger's on the the Ducks, and I think Minjukov's on the goals all year. Yeah, I I think that they're both." on the golds for significant periods of time. Okay. I, I think Selwiger could end up on the goals. I think Minchukov plays most of the year down there though. I mean, I think Minchukov's almost certainly on the goals for most of next season. And I think Zellweger will probably be there for a lot of games as well. Second place. Louis said, uh, why does Felix want to waste our valuable time by using up all of the clock in our fantasy draft? Have you threatened that? I haven't threatened it. I'm going to do it. Like it's not a, th- a threat is saying like, it's, it's, thre- it's threatening to do it and just definitively saying I'm doing it are two different things to me. Why are you going to do that? Is this like you showing up into our stream yet, StreamYard chat at 7.59? Uh, no. Show? I just, why would I not take all the time that's allotted to me? Like, this is something that I have a right to, and I want to take all the time I to feel make like the most that's a, I feel like this decision. is a crime against humanity. I mean, why? Like, if you don't, if you don't want me to take two minutes to do something, then don't give me two minutes. Like, hey, there's a commissioner that can lower the time limit if he wants to. Connor, Connor, whenever you listen to this, make it so Felix has to auto draft. If there's a way, <laughs> don't give him the ability. Lower to the time limit. If you don't want me to to go two minutes, then make it a minute. Like, I don't know. This isn't hard. I just I, I can't even rights wow. are I, rights are rights are indelible, man. Duck said an article so, in the Athletic suggested that Henrique would be a perfect deadline acquisition for the Oilers. Do you agree? And if so, what would you try to get back in exchange for him? 
Wait, sorry. Can, can you start that over? I was looking he- at our chat. Uh, <laughs> an article in Athletics suggested that Henrique would be a perfect deadline acquisition for yes. the Oilers. Do you agree? Yes. Yes. If, I think he would have been perfect for them last season. If so, what would you try to get back in exchange for him? First, uh, first round pick and a prospect. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I agree, though. Uh, Goose MN612 said, who's more likely to make the roster in four years, Noah Warren or Tyson Hines? Ooh, great question. Yeah. I'm I'm going to go Tyson Hines because I just think Noah Warren has to show me that he can actually be more than just a big guy who can move. Mm-hmm. Like, Tyson Hines can play. He's smart. He's got skill. And he's got the physical ability. So, definitely Tyson Hines. Not saying Noah Warren's not going to make it, but that's the difference between the two right now. Olaf is Berserker said, stemming from the retirement of Bernie, who is the best, who has been the most impactful goalie, uh, impactful backup goalie for the Ducks? This oh, one's man. easy. Who this is actually it? is very easy. It's Ilya Brzezgalov. No was questions say, asked. I was going to say Ryan Miller. I mean, Ryan Miller, I think, had the best tenure. Yeah. Like, but Ryan Miller most, was amazing as a backup most goalie. Most impactful is Ilya Brzezgalov due to the fact that he led the team on a Western Conference final run in 06. Yeah. Was the reason. But he um, was the starter at that point then. Uh, it's because Jaguar was hurt. Yeah. So he's not really in his backup role at that point. I. <laughs> now I'm going to look 05, 06, Anaheim Ducks. Because the, the goalie that played more games yeah. over the regular season is the starter. Uh, let's see. Uh, who played more games as a goalie? Uh, yeah, Jaguar played 60 games that season. Brzezgalov, 31. I'm going Ryan Miller just because Ryan Miller is the better goalie, and he was just so amazingly consistent. It didn't say better. It said impactful. Impact. I'm going impactful. It was impactful that Ryan Miller was there. Ilya Brzezgalov and the fact that he also in 06-07 helped the Ducks uh, win that first round against the Minnesota Wild when J.A. Shiger was le- dealing with stuff. So from an impact perspective, it has to be Ilya Brzezgalov. I think the goalie, the backup goalie that was the best was probably Ryan Miller. Yeah. And I Ryan see a lot of people saying Jonas Hiller. Wasn't he a starter, uh, though? Yeah. Like, Jonas Hiller was a, a backup for Jaguar that became a starter. So it, it, a lot of these guys that are kind of in that conversation – I feel like had tenures as being Ryan Miller was one hundred percent a backup, and same thing with Ilya Brzezgalov on the Ducks. Yeah, like they were both backups. Um, and let's say uh, Tussle said, uh, "In what order do the rookie defensemen, not including Zellweger and Minchikov, get cut from training camp? Lacombe, Hellison, Hines, Luno, Warren." So Luno, Hines, Warren are all gone. I would say pretty early. Okay, order. You have to give an order. <sighs> From uh, earliest to latest. Okay. Let me pull up the list because I'm forgetting. Lacombe, Hellison, Hines, so Luno, Warren. Warren stuck around longer than Zellweger last year. Part of was, it was in part of it was, was injury. Yeah. Uh let's see. Okay, so I'm going Zellweger. Zell, so we're not including Zellweger and Chukov. Nope. So I'm going Heinz Heinz uh well, Warren first. Leno second, Heinz third, Hellison fourth, and Lacombe just makes the team. All right, here is where I'm going. Yeah. Leno first, similar to Zellweger last year. Yeah. Then Heinz. Okay. Then Warren. Then Hellison. Then Lacombe. That's if they. I think Hellison and Lacombe probably make the team. Yeah. But, yeah. But that's why I have them there. But I think Warren's going to last the longest 
yeah partially Luno, the same reason Luno's going to the to back to junior so yeah and I, I think it's going to be a similar thing to Zellweger of he plays an early game that gets set back early to to really load up for the season in, mm-hmm. for his junior year uh Napa AG said why is America not Japan I don't understand the question he just got back from a Japanese vacation oh uh yeah I mean Japan is great have been loved it love the food so I get it it's, it's uh, hard Plantmark said, top three Christmas movies and least favorite. I don't have a top three. Uh, Christmas Vacation. Um, Klaus. That's a new one for me that skyrocketed to the top. Klaus on Netflix. Um, Really, really good. Uh, Made me cry on Christmas Eve. Wow. Um, Was excellent. Can we add a Patreon tier for just footage of you crying? Sure. (laughs) To a Christmas um, movie, not not just crying in general, but, but specifically the Christmas movie. Um, what's my third favorite Christmas movie? You're, you don't have Elf. I feel like everyone has Elf. Probably Elf. Yeah. Least favorite. I didn't grow up with it, so I think Christmas Story. Like I don't really oh, like it that much. I have a question for you. Okay. And this is a debate that I've heard people have: Is the Nightmare Before Christmas a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie? Both. Oh, you're just your team both. Yeah, I forget. I've heard I've heard very staunch opinions one way or another on this. But anyway, I don't care. It's probably more a Christmas movie than a Halloween movie. Well, I mean, it's kind of in the name, but yeah, but yeah. Um, let's it feels it feels more Halloween to me. I will say. Olaf is berserker said, uh, "What would be the most effective way to white wake up sleepy Pat? Alarm clock construction? Oh, it's obviously a white monster." Uh, do what I do. Uh, sunrise alarm. Okay. Uh, people are wondering about Die Hard. I don't know if I've ever actually seen the original Die Hard. I haven't. So there you go. Can't comment on it. Uh, let's see. Ducks and Five said next July first, the Ducks should sign sign an elite. Oh, this is easy. Center Austin Matthews. What was the question? You just you just said words. And next then- July, July first, the Ducks should sign an elite? Question mark. Oh, okay. Uh yeah sure center yeah uh Olaf is berserker because I uh prompted him for this one rate your excitement for Ahsoka on a scale of one to ten uh a ten because I have been binging Rebels over the last week I am halfway through season three right now mm. it's it's such a good rewatch it's such a good show mm. highly recommend and for anyone watching Ahsoka that that's gonna go in and watch it. You need to make sure that you kind of catch up on Rebels because yeah, it's see, essentially that, live live that's action Rebels. Too much work for me to to like find. Th- there's a you you can find a YouTube video that gives you the story if you need it. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go in bare and just you know watch it without any context. So okay, maybe not the right phrasing, but the Plant Ranch <laughs> Plant Ranch said uh, Ahsoka coming back must be very exciting. There are so many un- unanswered questions, especially with the last season of Bando. Where she seamlessly transitioned from animated to live screen, perhaps better than any other is character. The GPT right? This? <laughs> she is one of the most compelling Star Wars characters, and I'm glad she got her own series. So all of that uh, said, my question is: What is your favorite brand of gum? Oh, extra, extra, extra. Read all about it. Uh, uh what's my favorite brand of gum? Trident. I don't know. It's I don't know if uh, I have a favorite. The brand only brand. gum I'll chew is extra uh, polarized. Uh, Heyo Flow said, what is Felix's stance on the current corporate tax rate? Oh, I meant to look this up. 
So I'm assuming he means like federal corporate I, tax rate. I, I think he just decided to troll you with a weird ass question. I'm going to look it up. It says 21%. Corporations in the United States pay federal corporate income tax levied at a 21% rate. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out if this is tiered out. Like, I feel like the size of your business should affect how much you're paying in tax. Like, obviously, mom and pop selling hotcakes on the corner in the neighborhood shouldn't be paying the same what, corporate. I, I, it, what if it's a pancake breakfast? Yeah, like if mom and pop are organizing a pancake breakfast uh, and they are collecting income under an incorporated entity, I don't think they should be getting taxed the same as like, you know, Apple. So, but I don't, but this is literally just me reading one blur about it on, on Google. I don't know. Uh, all right. Uh, Patrick said, by the end of the Ahsoka series, will we learn that Sabine is force sensitive? So in the trailers, they're kind of, they're kind of teasing that a little bit with, it almost seems like she's going to be the apprentice to Ahsoka being her ma- being the master, even though Ahsoka is no longer a Jedi. I think they're teasing it. Uh, so I'm going to go with yes. We'll say Sabine is actually Force-sensitive, and Ahsoka trains her in, how, in the ways of the Force. Words. Many words. Sabine Wren. Mandalorian. Many words. Okay. Uh, SP84 said, what is one bad thing and one good thing about Ilya Labushkin's acquisition? I think that question has been answered by now. Okay. And he's also wants to re-ask, what is the confidence level you two have in Verbeek as a general manager to build the Anaheim Ducks into a Stanley Cup contender with the tools he currently has at his disposal? Uh, I mean, I think he's more like a seven and eight just because seven or eight, I'll go eight just to be optimistic, but he's got a lot of ammunition to work with. Yep. So. Uh, Pet RB, sorry if I butchered your first name. I think he's from Croatia. Said, hey, crew, when should I expect to hear the alarm bells in my location for the lack of progress on Zegras and Drysdale contracts? Well, in Croatia, I mean, you're on the same. Now that you're in our Discord, you're in the same uh, timeline as everyone else here in California. So uh, when we are all panicking, you will know right away. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> Uh, Lou just man it, is, Lou, Lou, gotta, is, is Lou contravening how these podcast questions <laughs> submissions work? Lou jumped can, in. Can you Discord. can you can you submit a question in there? Like we have chat. Like this just feels like this feels against the rules. But anyway, he knows I I go to Discord first, so he he's bypassing it. Explain what a sunrise alarm is. A sunrise alarm is, and now other people are chiming. Dang. Uh, a sunrise alarm is a basically like a lamp where you set a time and it will turn on and it will progressively get brighter and brighter and that actually wakes you up. That way you don't have to wake up to the sound of a freaking annoying alarm like the Apple iPhone alarm sound or whatever. And I just find it to be a much more pleasant way to, to wake up. And yeah, it's just that's it. Puts me in a better mood. What if you have a significant other and sleep in the same bed as them and you wake up at different times than them. Uh, that is a conversation that you two need to have. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, by the way, uh, a alarm sound is the same problem as the sunrise alarm in that situation. Yeah, but you can turn off the alarm sound. Turning off the light is a little bit different. There's a button that you press and it turns uh, off right yeah, away. Eh. I just Debatable. don't think those things are different at all. Debatable. Okay, here we it's, go. It's just not... But going continue. to uh, Twitter now, uh, 
This comes from Casey you, Dickerson. Said, what's what's Twitter? Uh, I'm not calling it X. It's Twitter. <laughs> it's still Twitter.com. <laughs> it, I feel like if you're on mobile, though, and, and top share a link, it's from X.com. Yeah. Which, by the way, X.com just sounds like something. Something that it shouldn't sound like. Um, Casey Dickerson said, is this the you most exciting? Porn? Yeah. Is this the most <laughs> exciting group of prospects to come through the Ducks ever? <sighs> that is a tough question. Because I feel like the class of prospects in that kind of mid-2010s range on the blue line was really good. This, but is, I, better, this is better because of Carlson, because of yeah. Zegris and all Well, those guys, guys aren't... He's not a prospect anymore. But, but this kind of three, four, five-year stretch that they're currently in, I think is the most sustained just prospect quality. And just this current crop with, with Leo Carlson and Olin Zellweger alone... I mean, hell, Pavel Minchuk was probably in that trio. Like, yeah, I, I would say yes. I'll go with yes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Sean said, uh, at Sean underscore Castro, said, this probably would have happened on the show anyway, but for the both of you, give us your most chaotic food take. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love that. Well, I don't really have any chaotic ones right now. You know what I'm intrigued to try? This is just a, this is just me kind of spitballing here. Have you heard of Bean Burgers? Like yeah. bean patties, yeah. I've never really given that much thought, but I they're fine. I'm intrigued by it now. They're fine. I'm, I'm intrigued. Here's a chaotic combination that I don't ask me why I tried it, but have you ever had the fig crackers from Trader Joe's? No. Oh, f- I would. I will not eat fig actually. So I don't like. There's no, no, my no. chaotic no, take. I don't like fig that much either. To be yeah. clear, yeah. I don't like fig Newtons, uh, but there's these fig crackers that my wife loves. And for whatever reason, I'll have them every once in a while. And I have one or two, and then it's like, eh, I don't like this that much. But Trader Joe's also has the garlic uh, spread. It's like the tomb or whatever it is. Um, it's kind of the fluffed up garlic that you find on a lot of uh, Middle Eastern dishes. Um, really delicious. For whatever reason, grabs one and dipped it in that. It's, for whatever reason, it works. Mm. Don't ask me why. I have no idea. Like anything like that, it works and tastes good, though. I think it's fig and olive crackers. So the olive might be the reason why. Oh, I haven't. I mean, probably my most chaotic take that just gets people in a tizzy is the fact that I enjoy eating sardines. Like every time I tell someone I like sardines, they're like, "Ugh, gross, canned fish. Ugh, how, how could you? It's like because it's delicious and it's healthy. Yeah, that, that's, right. that's it. We got this DM from Trevor Zebra saying, uh, who will be the third duck in franchise history to score 100 plus points in a single season? Both Solani and Korea have two. Wait, what was the, you always, you go too fast. What was the question? Who will be the third duck in franchise history Ah. to score 100 plus points in a single season? Both Solani and Korea have two. Uh, I'm going to go with Trevor Zegras. I think that he's just well positioned to like, I'm not saying he's going to be a quote unquote, 100-point guy, but I think he can get a 100-point season. And so I'm going with him. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right, I think that does it for the questions from Twitter. So now, for those of you in Twitch and YouTube, please start throwing your questions in. I've seen the ones uh, 
previously, a couple of them, so please re-throw them in, though, just for ease for me. But if you're listening on your favorite podcast services, you can find us every time we go live, which is typically at Monday at 8 p.m. at twitch.tv slash CrashBond, where if you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. You can just be like Ken Pafu, who resubbed for 41 months, and it does help out more than you can imagine. You get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name, um, or... If you use YouTube, and come on, come on. I know everyone here listening to this uses YouTube. Everyone does. Find us there, youtube.com slash CrashPond. Like the videos, subscribe to the channel. We're really trying to make that push, trying to break a 1,000 there. So please subscribe to our channel over there. Um, here we go. So we got this question from Roots20. said, question for Drake. Who was the brilliant genius that thought putting Thomas Partey at right back was a good idea? This is an Arsenal question. My knowledge of Arsenal players actually isn't that high for obvious reasons. Uh, but I'm going to assume that was Mikel Arteta. And I'm assuming Roots does not like him that much. So we'll go with that. Words. Yeah. Uh, Vixeler. Which just reminds me of the very original platform that we had. Mixler. Uh, for, yeah, for this this podcast. Do the Ducks draft Vladislav Brzgalov, Ilya's son, in the 2024 draft? Oh, wow. I did not. I was not aware of this. Uh, is he a goalie? I feel like goalie dads usually produce goalie sons. I don't know. Vladislav Briz. He is a goalie per Vixler. Where is he playing? I don't know. Let's see. He is playing most recently for the Philadelphia Rebels. Uh, his numbers don't look good. Yeah, but he's a goalie, so we don't... Eight, we, eight we, 90, 897 for a AAA uh, uh, 16U team. Yeah, so we don't even know where he's going to play this season. It looks like he hasn't actually... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where he's going to play. This is too much. This is too much to figure out. But he was playing in the NHL, which isn't like the highest, like a very high tier junior league, at least for NHL prospects. So I'm like not even sure if he'll get drafted. Quite yeah. honestly, hardcore Luchador said, uh, uh, "I think it's just about Thomas Tatar. Like, where does he sign? Q or when Tatar. will he sign? Yeah. No. See, people get on us for. Oh, the- here it is." Here it is. I found his original question. How is Tatar not signed, and are you thinking he could be a duck before the season? People always get on us about, oh, why you, why do you always bring up Tomas Tatar? Blah, blah. It's like, people ask. People are curious, so go away. Blame uh, Sean. The reason why he hasn't signed, I don't know, but I would guess that it's just because he kind of lost the game of musical chairs. It's a flat cap world. No one has money. He knows the cap is going up, so it's just kind of a weird situation, but I'm sure he'll end up on a team. By the time the season starts. Yep. Uh, Anthony Oberstar said, would you rather have the backup goalie be Dostal or Staylock? I mean, that's that's the easiest question of the night. It's Lucas Dostal. I was not going to say Staylock. Uh, it depends. Does it, though? It depends on... We've talked about this. I think that most likely what's going to happen is you're going to see more of a 50-50 split than we've ever seen before, which means... It should be Lucas Dostal. I mean, if, even even if it's not, though. If it's a 60-20 split. 60-20? Oh, you mean like total games? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's not going to happen. Like, John Gibbs is not playing 60 games. <laughs> Has he ever played 60 games? 
Tussle saying stay locked because Gibson gets traded. He played he played 60 games in 17-18. So his games Fair. played like 52, 60, 58, 51, 50, like if 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 to me Lucas Dostal is an NHL goalie and he should be playing in the NHL. And if he's going to be 60-20, then just get him down to the AHL when he's taking long breaks. This is why I said the stay locked thing isn't that bad because you can still send on Dostal when there's stretches where he's not playing. So but I would prefer it to be Dostal. We'll discuss this after the show, but you need to look at our Discord and Hockey Talk. Just just be able to see. Uh, Vixler said, question for Felix. What was slash is the most fun part slash task of your sports media career? What is the most fun part? I mean, sports media career is very much a, uh, I don't want to say exaggeration, but the time that I've been doing podcasts and writing articles what was, I mean, probably the most fun thing I got to do was go to the Ducks, the prospect tournament at Great Park. That was just really cool to, to be kind of just around hockey for like three days, just watching prospects. Made some connections, honestly, from that that are still continuing to this day, and that was in 2019. But what is the most fun thing that I do? I mean, it has to be the podcast. Like, yeah. not even a question. Because when I write articles or when I'm sharing thoughts on Twitter you know, it kind of feels like it does feel a little bit like work to a degree. Like I kind of have to get up for that. Whereas the podcast is just sometimes it maybe it is a little bit of, you know, you're just tired or whatever, but the podcast, we can do whatever we want. It's completely ours. We can shoot the shit. There's no, like we are the bosses of the show. And so that's, which, that's what I love about it. Which peeling back the curtain a little bit here. That's always been something that's been super important for us ever since we left SB nation is keeping this as our own, yeah. our own entity we control it we can have fun with it we can set our own schedule do what we want have fun with it as we go on and so i i would completely agree with that one thing i do want to give a shout out to is i know this is mainly for you but i think probably one of the most rewarding things we've done is our discord uh, like we we talk about this all the time right that it's the best place to talk about hockey and sure we created it we we set it up we did all that stuff with patreon We've kind of built the framework, but the community that's been built in there kind of around this show, around the ideas that you and I have, I think that honestly is the most rewarding thing of these people that I consider friends now that are from there. And I mean, have been in there for years now and it, it it feels like a family. So uh, yeah, that, that to me is, I, I think one of the most rewarding things. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. The community there is awesome. Which, by the way, if you want to join, yep. check out our Patreon page. Yeah, uh, Vixler has another question though. If we've had any prospects or players, we have not. Oh, I guess technically we had Alex Tangay, but he was already an, an analyst at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, as an analyst. I did an interview with Anthony Stolarz for the fourth period, which should have been on the podcast, but couldn't make that work. No, we have not because reasons it's difficult to get the guys. Yeah. Put it that way. Yep. We'll go with that. Uh, so I think that that is it for the night. Yeah. Hour 15 feels oh, like the- we, we got a couple of, of questions actually I found in YouTube that were earlier. Oh. Uh, Sean fight said, are the ducks going to be a tougher team this year because they were really soft last year? <laughs> uh, I mean, they have t- guys who are quote unquote tough on the team. Know, tougher guys in the team now like with gudas and kalorn so sure they'll be tougher yeah uh i don't think that 
it, it was a huge issue necessarily. There the were issue was that they sucked. The issue is that the D zone structure was absolutely garbage. Yeah. Um, and then Duck said, how does everyone feel about goal signing Mike Rochburns? I don't know who that is. So I'm yeah. hoping you do. I'm always, I love when I can use the line of, I'm someone who watches a lot of hockey and pays attention and I don't know who that is. And yeah. I, I don't know who that is. How do you, is it Rockburn? Because Rochburns Rock- looks like a football player. I don't know. Uh, this is very confusing. I don't know who this is. Did did the goal sign someone and we missed it? I mean, it's highly possible. I mean, I usually don't really follow like the AHL, AHL signings, signings, to be honest with you, because it's just not guys who are going to come into our purview. Um, yeah, the, did they even announce it on their website? Yeah, I, I don't know. Did, is, did this actually happen? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> did this ha- like there there is no evidence of this happening D- on the du- on the gold ducks website is, ducks is troll ducks is trolling us all right uh donovan morimoto actually added a uh, something in the youtube chat why was lacombe's elc so short two years oh. with one year being a handful of games it's due to the age of when you're signing your elc it's a preset thing in the nhl of when you're signed what age you're at when you sign that i believe when you're 22 years old which is what jackson lacombe was when he signed that deal uh the maximum uh length that that deal can be is two years and so it, it, it's a pretty simple answer from that perspective and quite honestly those couple of games burning that year because no matter what if he had become a free agent it still would have been a two-year deal no matter where he would have ended up signing that at and so the ducks giving him those couple of years to burn that so he hits re, uh hits restricted free agency i guess i think he'll probably be uh what is it the 10.2 c probably at the end of this contract yeah. um that's probably going to end up with him making a little bit more than his elc at the end of it and so he hits that one year earlier um it's because of his age so yep very simple all right i think that is gonna do it though yeah well thanks for the questions everyone thanks for listening thanks to everyone who joined in live but also uh thanks to everyone who will listen wherever you get your podcast so if you want to help support the show and help us keep this thing going honestly i'm gonna say this I find the off season almost easier than the regular season because I feel like that the regular season there's more moving pieces, there's more news, there's just more stuff to keep up with. Like this pace that we're on right now of like one or two things happening every week or so, like that for me is actually easier than yeah. when in the regular season when it's just like drinking from a fire hose at times with all the information. So anyway, thank you to everyone who stuck with us. And if you want to help support us kind of get through that crazier time of the regular season, the number one way to do that, uh, join our Patreon community. Uh, we have a Discord server in there. It's for $1 a month. And honestly, it's it's a to me, it's a small price to pay. And you get access to the best Ducks community on the internet. You get all of the news updates as soon as they happen in there. And, you know, especially right now with some uncertainty with different social media apps, I just think that that's a nice way to kind of cut through the noise. Um, and you're helping... You're helping your favorite show. So that's for $1. For $5, you still get that. But on top of that, you get two bonus podcasts. And those can definitely go off the rails. Uh, those are definitely more unfiltered. We know we talk about a broader range of topics. We still talk about the Ducks, though, of course. Felix gave some very sensitive information about him did on I? the last episode. Oh, Oh yeah, I did. Um, I don't consider it sensitive, but whatever. And uh, we also t- we did it. We talked about state flags, which oh, that was a good one. 
That yeah. was one of my favorites. But that that's for $5 a month. So really any support is appreciated. Uh, that's at patreon.com slash crash the pond. We're going to put all the links in the show notes as well. Uh, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. Subscribe there. Like the video. Give it a thumbs up if you enjoyed what you listened to, what you watched. And also turn on your notification bell so that you know when the show goes up. Uh, find us on Twitter. You can search crash the pond there. Uh, search for the, you can also check us out. We write for the Sporting Tribune. Check out Derek Lee. Check out our website, crashthepond.com. Follow us on Twitter. Jake is on there still at Reindeer Games 91 I'm on there at Felix underscore Sicard. Uh, also, I was going to mention, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave us a rating and a review there. And also, you can find us on Spotify. With all that being said, thank you so much for listening this week, and we will talk to you in seven days. Have a good one. Bye.